Hi, I'm Alexa Homan. Welcome to my podcast, Spirit and Sound, Episode 1. Spirit and Sound. Two uniquely human inventions, as I like to call it. I should specify, I'm talking about religion and music. Both religion and music seek to connect people on a higher level. Separately, they have shaped human lives and influenced human history and culture. When put together, that's where the magic happens. Actually, I should say, that's where the spirituality can be the strongest. Why is music so important to almost all religions? Looking into the connection between music and religion reveals something about what makes us human, what separates us from other animals. Most importantly, these two inventions have been connected or related to each other since the beginning of human history. Music has a way of evoking emotions that makes it work harmoniously with religion. And something about both religion and music have led them to become deeply entwined for almost all of human history. Fun fact, the first examples of primitive music and religion came before the invention of spoken language. It's safe to say that spirit and sound are a core part of what makes us human. This podcast is not going to be scientific. I'm not looking at what chemicals are released when hearing a beautiful song or having a spiritual experience. I just wanted to look deeper into real human experiences with music and religion, primarily because religious music has been important to my life. Let me quickly explain why all this matters to me. I love music. I play the guitar, ukulele, piano, and maybe some harmonica. Probably my biggest exposure to music has been through religion. My first experience with singing was at my Episcopalian elementary school. My family goes to a Catholic church every Sunday. St. Hugh is on Main Highway, the main road in Coconut Grove. The church is very unique, with a huge sloping roof, asymmetrical stained glass, and peacock-inhabited courtyards. In fact, it was this church that gave me the idea for this project. Right now, you're listening to Roberto Berocal, the pianist and music director at St. Hugh. My family has been in love with his music for years. It intrigues me how Berokal can somehow weave religion into his playing. It's hard to explain. I knew when I first started to really listen to his playing that it was tinted with something deeper than just normal music. I just didn't know what that was. The color of the music was different. That's the only way I can think to explain it. And every Sunday, Berokal would enthrall the entire church with his flowing melodies, and I would be even more stumped on how he did it. I really wanted to ask him, so I did. If I'm being honest, your playing was the reason why I started this podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because my family, every time we go to mass, like, oh, we wow. love it so much. That's me, shamelessly fangirling over him during our interview. I was sitting in the dressing room at our school theater during my lunch period on a chilly September day, all alone, hoping the recording equipment would behave. I was horribly nervous. This was my first interview for this podcast, and I wasn't sure how he was going to answer the questions. Maybe he didn't think about religion while he played. Maybe he wasn't even religious. Maybe he had no opinion about the importance of religion and music. Because that's what I wanted to hear from people. All the future interviews you will hear, I try to get people to explain how music works as a vehicle for religion. Somehow, they've walked hand in hand through history. Most of the Christian music we hear in Mass was written way back when. Most of the 150 psalms in the Bible were written in the years B.C. 
How could they possibly remain so important in the Christian religion? And hymns, too, centuries old, yet Berocal still plays them during Mass. I'm sure you're dying to learn about him, like I was, so let's start at the beginning. Yes, hi, how are you? My name is Roberto Berrocal, B-E-R-R-O-C-A-L. I am a classically trained concert pianist. I started my music studies at the age of seven in Spain, and then I was given a full scholarship to come to the College of Charleston in South Carolina. That's how I came to the U.S. I became the music director of St. Hugh Catholic Church back in 2007. I asked him a couple questions, starting with what is the role of music in religion? My role really, and the role of any music director at a church, should be to enhance the liturgical service and to encourage praying or participation, spiritual participation of the parishioners. I think I found a good balance of creating an excitement with the music yet enhancing their prayer. I mean, you can just say hallelujah or sing a huge hallelujah, which is extremely exciting. But Ocal keeps his service exciting by improvising all of his pieces. He takes the normal chords, but adds arpeggios, harmonies, extra melodies right on the spot. I never plan my improvisation. Otherwise, it would not be an improvisation. And so I never know how it's going to come out. And I love that because also it makes me be in the moment. For Berocal, the improvisations are like his form of a religious experience. When you improvise, you cannot be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner or, or your issue or your problems in life. It's just a very beautiful being in the moment sort of thing. And I think the parishioners catch that. While he is playing, he needs to be focused on the piece and what message he wants to convey on that particular day. Rather than reading from sheet music, which he never has on the piano, he is playing from something deeper inside. The message travels much clearer, and it has a different tint, like I said before. My improvisations definitely include all the intricacies of classical music, but I also try to make it just, just pleasant to listen to, yet not overly simplified. But I still hadn't asked what this music meant to him. To the listener, the sound is ethereal, thanks to his improvisations. How does music connect him to religion? I have a very, very, very strong faith. I think that God has had a way to keep me close to him by being the music director at a church. But I know it has nurtured me spiritually uh, in good times and in bad times, because um, especially when you are going through a difficult time, there is a very special energy going to St. Hugh and then playing. I, I try to offer all whatever I'm going through to, to God. And being with that and with the energy of everybody praying, it helps me. It, it allows me to, to heal. My favorite question to ask people throughout this podcast series was, What is your favorite um, Christian song to play? With Berocal, I could recognize the songs he mentioned. But in future episodes, you'll see I was not so lucky. I really like playing on Eagle's Wing. It allows me to be very expansive and very lush. Oh, I love this one. Did I mention I fangirled a lot in this interview? That's my favorite. I feel like I remember you doing that one with Eagle's Wings. Yes, I've done yeah, that. You yes. do, yeah. Oh, <laughs> See, I remember. Heard, you heard me a long time then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> However, 
St. Hugh doesn't really focus on participation. Sure, the piano is beautiful to listen to, but it stands alone. There isn't much singing. St. Hugh is not... Some people, sometimes I hear some people sing, but I wouldn't say it's like participative. Some people sing, but it's not a singing community. And we're okay with that. That doesn't mean that people don't enjoy it. People, I know people love it, but they're not gonna, they're not the type of people that are gonna start just singing from their chairs. When I asked him the big question, he answered according to his personal experience as a music director. I like to have for them a soothing melody that just fills them. And that's why I try to create these arrangements that are very like orchestral sort of feeling. It's like second nature, it's like that's what I do. It's with this music at the liturgy, you immerse people into, into, into religion, into the, into the worship service, a lot more than if it was like a silent mass. To Berocal, music works as a vehicle for religion because it immerses people in the religious message more than a silent church or more than a reading. That's something I'll hear a lot. The music, everybody connects to that. It's like an universal language. And, you know, you can create and you can transmit that energy. And if you, you know, and that mixed with the prayer environment, it's very powerful. Music is easier to understand. It's its own language. People dedicate their whole lives to learning how to perfect this language. Perocal, through his many years of training, successfully speaks through his music. Every Sunday, the message is different, though the songs can be the same. Well, thank right. you so much. My pleasure, right? <laughs>
that you kind of can't have one almost without the other. When I was thinking about this talk, a quote that I've always loved, I think it, I read it that was a long time ago and I can't remember where it's from. I think it's Mr. Eckhart, but I'm not sure. But anyway, whoever it is, he said this, he said, a life without music is like a long journey in the desert that has not heard the distant rumor of God. You probably understand why I wanted to interview him now. He already answered my question in the first minute of the interview. To me, music and religion are both doing the same thing. They're pointing beyond the ordinary, everyday world, which tends to be just sort of ordinary, and they point to mystery. But there, there's the issue. Mystery precisely can't be pointed to directly, has to be pointed to indirectly, by beauty. Something important that Father Valley mentioned pretty early on is that he believes that God shows his face through worldly beauty. The paintings in his room start to make sense. Father Valley says that the beauty of paintings and music point to God, or beyond just the ordinary world. So the arts are a physical manifestation of God. Wow. On the other hand, Father Valley said some familiar things about music. Augustine says, he who sings prays twice. You need music on the practical level to do what? Well, to communicate things. Like, listen to a Mozart sonata, for example, and you can't, the, the, the sheer joy, it's like they're made of light. Well, when you listen to that, you can't communicate that in mathematical terms. The answer is not 14. You have to kind of hint at it. Now, here is one of my favorite quotes from all the interviews I have done. What makes us human? Well, music engages us at the deepest level of our humanity. That's really the point, as does religion. Whoa. Here's another one. When we touch our deepest human potentials, when we're moving the deepest level of our being, at that point, at that point, we slip the surly bonds of earth and we touch the face of God. Only then, and only music gives us, only music gives us access to that. Well, not just art as well. And sorry about the background noise. We are at a high school in the middle of the day. Here's what he said again. When we touch our deepest human potential, when we are moved to the deepest level of our being, at that point, we slip the surly bonds of earth and touch the face of God. I almost wish this was a movie so you could see my reaction to that quote. It didn't come as a shock that Father Valley is a passionate poet and songwriter. He says he plays and sings because music gets me to a place that nothing else will get me to, not even prayer. So yeah. That's how I first encountered Father Valley. After the daily gospel reading, a priest delivers a homily, or a short lecture, usually about a moral topic that relates to the reading. Every time, Father Valley walks to the pulpit with his acoustic guitar on his back. At the end of the sermon, he sings a short song, usually one he wrote, to further whatever the message was. I guess that I see no conflict whatsoever 
in using music during my homily. Music, in my, my, my view is, and some people don't like that I do it, a lot of people do, some people don't, but, but I believe that, that whatever we can use, music, art, poetry, literature, whatever we can use to, to communicate the Word of God, we should use. You know, that, that's, that's exactly what they did at the time of Jesus, that's exactly what we should be doing now. That there's, nothing, there's nothing that God made that is profane. Everything that God made us for, He made it is good. And every voice He gives us, and talent He gives us, and gift He gives us, are nothing but are nothing but a gift He gives us to help us find our way back to Him. I think this relates back to what Berocal said. It's obvious Roberto Berocal has a gift and talent. So has his talent led him back to his faith? Of course, I have to include my favorite question. Um, and this is my favorite question to ask. Oh, good. What is your favorite Christian song? My favorite Christian song. Well, I don't know if I could say I can. I, can I, I think my favorite Christian work of music would, would really have to go. I think it's. I'm going to go back. There's something about the first thing you fell in love with, and the first thing you fell in love with sticks you the rest of your life. It, it can still move me to tears. I think. Uh, I think probably Mozart's Requiem. Lastly, the most important question. To the senses, God looks like beauty. So, so really when, when we touch, I think in all of our life, I think we're all, all human beings are searching. What are we ultimately searching for? Even though we don't know it, we're searching for God. That's what we're searching for, we all are in the end. But, but we can't take in God in one grasp, it's too big. Huh? So the mind is always searching and searching. And when the, when the mind hits truth, it goes, ah. That's it. And it feels satisfaction, it feels joy, it feels upsurge, it feels light. When, when the will hits goodness, it clicks. When, when, when the emotions hit love, we say, ah, oh, that's what I was made for, that's right. Now the senses, the senses are always searching, searching, searching. And what are they searching for? Well, they're searching for God. But to the senses, to our hearing, to our, to our, to our seeing, when we see something and when you see it, it just, it hits. It hits you go, ah. Oh, you feel a sense of upsurge in that. Well, music, it's the same thing with our, I think our hearing. We're searching, searching for God. And when, when we hear something that's truly beautiful, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be pretty, it can be, sometimes it can be ugly. The modern music, sometimes, even modern painting, modern painting sometimes can be not so pretty. But, but when we hit it, it goes, ah, oh, and we go, there's something there that captivates me. It's almost a sense of eroticism. You feel a sense of upsurge, a sense of joy. Well, well, that's God. When we hit the beautiful, we actually touch the face of God. Somehow, music does the same. It points to God and gets out of the way. It educates, transmits the message more effectively than spoken language, and then lets the listener interpret the message themselves.
So that's the end of my St. Hugh content. I still go with my family at 9am on Sundays, unless my sisters refuse to get out of bed. I could record Berokal for years, make millions of podcast episodes just of his music, but it's time to move on to the next church on our itinerary. If you take a left on Main Highway out of St. Hugh and drive for maybe five or six seconds, you arrive at a stunning limestone church. Same block, completely different music and religious service. This is Plymouth Congregational Church and the subject of the next episode. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Spirit and Sound. Thank you to Roberto Berocal and Father Valley for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me. Thank you to Gordon, my savior, and the reason this project exists. And of course, to Dr. King and Dr. Scholl for being the actual reason this project exists. See you later. And thank you again, Alexa Holman.